Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Chief Marketing Officer of NextGenT, an automation clinic. He's the man behind the scenes making sales happen, Adrian Hunter. Obsessed with video and understanding its impact on the evolution of online marketing, Adrian has developed skills in digital marketing, revenue, profit growth, leadership, and team building. These skills have allowed him to build solid relationships with elite businessmen and women. This grants him behind-the-scenes access inside the launches and marketing programs of some of the largest and most profitable online campaigns in their niches. Marketing strategy, email marketing, online automation. He puts them all together in customer acquisition funnels that make bank. I've asked Adrian to join us here today so we can all navigate this online business world better. So please join me in welcoming Adrian Hunter. Adrian, thank you for coming. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, but before we jump into anything with the online marketing, I want to ask, how did you even get into marketing and sales and business? Like, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Yeah, actually, so, man, this is back in 2005, I want to say. I got started into this whole direct response information world. It's marketing world. And I got blessed because my cousin, Jermaine, he actually introduced me to it. Uh, Jermaine Griggs, mm-hmm. he's considered to be one of the um, great marketers, and I'm just so happy. Goat, to, uh, he's the greatest of all time. He just crushes. He's been, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So yeah, so I, I started my business back in the day. I actually started a video production company, and it wasn't doing well, man. I was creating some, you know, pretty cool looking videos, but for whatever reason, I could not get them to convert. I wasn't making any money on them, right? So I was like, okay, well, started my business. I'm trying to sell video marketing, right? But I'm not making any money, so I have to figure this out. So I'd reached out to my cousin, Jermaine, at the time. I knew he was just crushing it online. I didn't even know exactly what he was doing. And I asked him, I was like, hey, man, like, I know you're doing some cool things with marketing online. Can you teach me? And he introduced me. The very first book he introduced me to was Dan Kennedy's Info Guide to, to Marketing. I believe that's the name of it. Okay. Dan Kennedy, yeah. No, I don't, I'm not sure if that's the one, but Dan Kennedy's got a ton of great stuff. Okay. So you got this book and then what happened? Yeah, so I got the book, I read it, and then I was hooked, man. He then gave me a course by John Benson. It was at the 3X VSL. I don't know if you're familiar with that course. Mm-hmm. It was years ago. So I went through that and I created my sales letter. And after testing and testing, we were having struggles. We started implementing some other things. And Jermaine, he actually created a framework around it. And we implemented a framework using that. And that just crushed the game for us, man. That, that's what really sold me on this. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what have been some of the biggest challenges for you in your career as a marketer and entrepreneur? I think the biggest thing for me, at first, I had a real hard time really getting into the minds of the prospects, right? So started off with helping Jermaine out at Here and Play, his piano teaching company. I, I didn't know much about playing the piano. I knew, okay, hey, if I use this copy, use this frameworks, I should be able to get some sales. What, right? what, do, you mean, what do you mean when you say this, these frameworks? Meaning like, you know, headline strategies using, op, or yeah, headline strategies, just different copywriting strategies in general. Okay, got it. 
Yeah. So if I use these, these things will work, right? But <clears throat> what I failed to realize is that when I was writing the copy, it wasn't really packing that punch because I wasn't really resonating with the audience, right? And they didn't really feel like, hey, these people can really help me out. Mm. So that was what I struggled with early on. That, and so, like, how do you solve that? What do you do? I think that's the problem a lot of people face. Yeah. So a big issue, uh, the number one thing I did to tackle that, I, I believe it helped me back then tremendously, and I still use it today, is I just got on the phone and I started interviewing all of the customers that we were getting and really just mapping out their pain points and their frustrations. And I was listening to sales calls that the sales reps were taking. And I was just listening to them, right? Understanding the language that they were using, figuring out like specific terms or phrases that they would use amongst each other. And I think that really helped along, along the way. Got it. That sounds like, I know I've heard the term empathy map. So it sounds like you really just kind of got in the weeds, started shaking hands, kissing babies, talking to people. And like you said, just mapping out their pains and frustrations of the people who are buying. Now, I think that's a you know, critical differentiator there. It wasn't just anybody that would give you the time of day. It was people who would put money on the table and it was conversations with people about putting that money on the table. Is that accurate? Exactly, man. Yeah. So what I found was, you know, a lot of people talk a good game, but once it's a different story when they put their credit card up and they actually give you money, right? You have people that talk your ear off, but when it comes to actually paying you money, a lot of people just walk the other way, right? So my goal was to talk to people who, you know, were very serious and pull out the credit card and they showed that they were committed. And I wanted to talk to those people. And so can you dive into this little process a little bit more? I mean, if someone was right now is starting out or struggling, and maybe they don't have a lot of lead flow to go through, what would you recommend for them? Yeah. So first thing I would do is I would, I know a lot of people talk about offering the services for free. I wouldn't offer it for free. I would have a low barrier of entry just to allow people to put their money where their mouth is and show that they're serious in buying. And then once I got those first, say 10 customers, I really take the time to, to listen to them, to talk to them and understand like, as you put it, their empathy map, right? Really build out that customer avatar. Some of the things that I would ask them or I will try to figure out in having these conversations would be like, what keeps them up at night, right? Like, what's that thing that in the middle of the night, they have to figure this out or they're not going to have that good day, right? Figuring out what they're afraid of, what they're angry about or who are they angry with. Really trying to almost, in a way, be their therapist, if that makes sense. Well, I love or it. And this goes into an old school copywriting principle where, you know, you cannot create mass desire in the world. It's really tough for you to do some sort of education campaign and to create a want in thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people enough to supply your business for years on end and on end. But what you can do is you can tap into existing wants and needs and desires. Like people have existing wants. We want to feel successful. We want to look good. We want these things. So you can tap into the existing ones and just, you know, aim it at your product or service. A lot of people I think are trying to avoid competitors. And, you know, there is, there's validity in that, but apart something for me, I think that people forget is it's not so much just being alone and not having competitors as it is to being in a busy food court and just being one of the options people have available. And I think that's an important thing as well. So I love that you're saying like, who are they angry at, you know, and that's part of like telling you where, like, where are the conversations happening? Where is the activity? Where are the people? 
because you need people to have a marketplace. And so I think that's a key thing. I know that a lot of business owners that I talk with, and even myself and having traveled the world and working across different time zones, lead flow is so important. Like you have to have a steady flow of people through your business. And that's like a heartbeat that just has to go on. You have to have traffic, no matter how good you are, no matter how long you keep your client, you still need to keep new blood coming through the front door. Yeah, exactly, man. So, yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about this a little bit more. So what have been some of the other challenges that you've got? So first it was, you know, we're good at the skill, the tech, the tactics of creating videos and putting them online, but you couldn't really get the results that you wanted. And so you started learning about how to do information marketing. You got into doing BSLs, which stands for video sales letters. So, you know, if you're a sales rep, we talked about like getting on the phone and talking with people, you have 10, 25 conversations. You've got a one-on-one conversation that works. Now you translate that into a letter, you turn that into a video and what it was just, that was it. It was that since you went through that process, you know, how long did that process take? And that was it. It was all sunshine and rainbows. No, no, not at all, man. So I call it beginner's luck. One of the very first few ones I, I did knock it out of the park. I believe that's, that was just the universe telling me like, Hey, you should stick with this. And I did. But after that, there were some where I kind of started hitting this brick wall, started hitting this wall where I'd create some copy and. It'd have some mild success, but it'd be short. So what'd you do? What do you do then? How do you break through that plateau? Yeah. So man, so I was working with Jermaine and he talks about this a lot. It's called the hipper formula. And basically it's a strategy that we apply to all of our copywriting these days. And it allows us to make sure that we hit everything at the exact moment that we need to hit them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So hipper is an acronym. What does it stand for? Yeah. So hipper is a pretty cool thing that Jermaine Griggs, he actually coined the phrase. And basically what it stands for is hook. So this is awesome. This, like you said, this is a framework. And part of the reason why we use frameworks like this is because people go through psychological processes when they're considering something. It's almost like people have heard like there are stages to grief, for example. And no matter who you are, no matter what culture you're in, no matter what language you speak, Everyone goes through similar same steps when they're going through a grieving process. And people do the same thing when they go through purchasing decisions. And so that's part of why we have frameworks like this hipper one, because it allows to understand the phases, just like, again, someone goes through the grieving or even a relationship. You know, when you first meet them, there's you're infatuated, right? There's like a, a logical progression. You don't just meet and get married, right? There's like a natural flow to it. And so that's kind of what this, this model, this hipper model encapsulates, that these are the things you have to address. So it said the first one was hook. That means you have to get their attention. You have to, you know, it's that headline. I don't think uh, a lot of people don't know this, but newspapers actually have like a journalist that writes the articles and then they have a different journalist that does the headline. And that's all that they do are the headlines because people will scan a newspaper and based on the headline, they read, you know, their article. Same with books. You'll have an author, but then you have a dedicated person. They do their own marketing campaign just to test headlines sometimes because based off the title of the book, you decide to read it or not. And so the book might encapsulate 40 years of research and life experience, but you're going to judge whether you read it or not based on the cover. And that's the hook. You got to get their attention and pull them in. Yeah, definitely. So after the hook, it's it's the issue, right? Really talking about what we were just talking about before, really tapping it into their pain points. Mm -hmm. What are they experiencing? What's keeping them up at night? Yeah. And really understanding that and then communicating with them so they know we understand exactly what they're going through and they feel understood. Mm -hmm. And after we attack the issue, the next step is P, poke. So we want to actually start to poke at that issue. 
Mm. John Bishop, an amazing copywriter, he talks about this too. Talking about twisting the knife, right? So pinpointing that issue and twisting a little bit so they feel that pain and it makes them uncomfortable enough to want to make that change, right? right? We hit that pain point. Okay. Then after that, we want to give them a pill, right? We want to say, you know what? There is another alternative. There's a solution to this, right? We call it the pill. And we offer them the alternative, which is actually, you know, that's where we start to introduce our product. Mm-hmm. And then E is for effects, where effects are the benefits of using our products. And understanding their issue, we can say, hey, if you use our product, these are some of the benefits that you could see. I love this. And then the next one is response. So response is that irresistible offer, getting them to take action and say, hey, this is a no-brainer, tired of feeling this pain, I need to take action right now. And that's our HIPAA framework right there. That's awesome. So I love that. I love that. So you got this framework. You've learned some of the skills and like how to function online, how to set up videos, how to set up web pages and that. Do you feel that anything else was holding you back in your progress? Was it a mindset or was it a skill set? Do you feel like anything was a big hinge for you? I think for the most part, to be honest, it was uh, just getting out of my own way, right? Just getting in a position to where it was okay. I gave myself permission to dream bigger and to go after the things that I really wanted. And then the moment I started doing that, the, the way I operated changed entirely. And I can definitely see, you know, things in my life where it was just like, okay, I'm never going back to the lifestyle I was living before. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time I closed a $50,000 client, I was just blown away because that was like, I've lived multiple years on less money than that. Are you telling me I just closed someone for 50K in a day? You know, like that's just I, I dreaming bigger. I love that. It was Michelangelo's got a quote. I don't have it exact in front of me, but it's something like, you know, what the greatest failing or the threat just is not that we set two goals too big and fail to reach it, but we set goals too small and achieve them. And it's that idea that we just don't stretch ourselves, that we're capable of so much more. The concept that, you know, three people go to the ocean, one brings a teacup, one brings a bucket, one brings a wheelbarrow, but all leave satisfied. You know, because that's this ocean yeah. of life. So it's, you know, you get what you want. I love it. Oh, yeah. Just to, to piggyback on your saying, man, I actually have a similar situation, man. It wasn't 15K, but it was actually $9,000. And I remember I was actually sitting in a hotel and somebody wired me my very first 9K check. And I was blown away, man. I was just like, wow. I wrote a sales yeah. letter that was working pretty well. It was working really well for him. And this was my first royalty check from it. It was a 9K, and I was just like, man, I will never go back. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was game changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people need to realize the money isn't necessarily in the doing of the thing being sold. Like the money isn't in doing the haircut. The money isn't in driving the taxi from A to B. The money is in making the deal with the person who needs that done and making sure that they're happy. You know, it's like exactly. that. that's where the money is. You can pay somebody else. I mean, you can pay somebody else to fulfill the product and you just have to make sure the quality is there. And that comes back to what the core of this is. The core is being the conduit between the client with the problem and the solution provider, you know, and you know, like you're the conduit, like you're the one that helps. How many people do you know? I remember I was in a mastermind group once and the guy in the hot seat asking for help was saying, you know, I need to go get this other designation. He was a psychiatrist, psychologist, you know, he did couples counseling and he felt that he needed to get this other level of certification to really push his business to the next level. And the guru was kind of like, okay, well, we were in New Jersey at the time, I think. And he was like, in an eight block radius, how many couples are there here that could benefit from the knowledge and training that you 
have right now? And he was like, oh, you know, probably a few hundred. Oh, okay. And how many couples do you need to have a full-time practice? And he was like, you know, like 150 or something like that. And they're like, okay, so the problem isn't your training and certification. The problem is your marketing. Like you are not in contact with these people that need your help. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king or the one-eyed woman is queen. And so the idea is that, you know, like if someone's struggling, if they're building a Lego house and they're struggling to go from the third floor to the fifth floor, they're stuck building the fourth floor. You can have the blueprints for 18 floors. It doesn't matter. They just need the solution for the problem where they're at right now. They have this puddle they got to step over. And that's the thing that they need help with. And a lot of people get so caught up in this sense of inadequacy. It's imposter syndrome thing. And I think what's important is I really want to hit this home because I think it's getting into the minds of the prospects. It's all about them. And that's why it's so important to get on the phone and map out their pains and frustrations and what they want. And then even then you're always testing, you know, because it's not about you. It's not the glamour show for you. It's about solving problems for people. So I just love that. I love that so much. Yeah, cool, man. Me too, man. Do you feel you have any like routines or habits that have really helped you on your path to success, whether they're daily or weekly? Yeah, man. So a daily habit. So b- before, the, I guess you call it the old agent, right? I used to, I used to be attached to my cell phone. So every morning I wake up, check emails and everything. So I've actually detached from my phone until about nine o'clock, which has been. I'm guilty of you know checking it every now and then, but for the most part until nine o'clock, it's been very helpful for me. And then also, I have this little cool app called Think Up to where our daily affirmations and mindful meditations. And I definitely um, plan on keeping that as a part of my morning routine for the long haul. I love that. Now, how about in terms of the practical day-to-day things with, with the marketing that are you split testing every week? Are you reading on your craft? Are you observing what other people do? Is there anything that you do? Like, again, is there like maintenance things that you do? Like, cause you've had, and we haven't said any numbers, but I think you had a, you know, a couple million dollar months. At that level, what do you need to maintain? What are the important plates to keep spinning? So number one is all of me. I feel like always be learning. So I'm always hopping into somebody's funnel and figuring out, you know, what's working for them and understanding that. I'm testing new ideas. I'm I'm a big fan of split testing and thinking like a scientist when it comes to the marketing. So I always start off with my control, what I know works, and then I'll test it against what I think may work, what is working for other people. And, and that's how I continuously optimize what we're doing over here. I love that. In fact, we should break it down because I think there's, there's kind of like the six steps, you know, some people say there's six, other people say there's seven, but the idea is that you come up with a purpose or a question, you conduct background research to figure out like a baseline where things are at. You also like the research part helps you come up with definitions. So that way, everyone's clear on what is being communicated, what is being, because if I say the word education, some person might think hands-on experience, other person thinks classroom and textbooks. So in the beginning, you ask your question, you define your purpose, you do the research and you come up with your definitions, and then you have a hypothesis. I think this, you know, this and this will result in X. And you conduct an experiment, then you analyze the data of your experiment and you come to conclusions, and then you test those conclusions. And so I love what you said, like you're always learning and you didn't necessarily say like always learning about theory. This is the one thing different. Like there's subtle things. And I think that's part of why it's important to have a host like me when people like you talk, because some things can just blow over people's heads without them really noticing it. Because you said like, you're always learning, you're always looking at what other people are doing. And what I want to point out there is you're seeing by example, because the world's most successful companies, they're putting their best stuff out there right now. There's no magic room. You can go to some of these companies' websites. 
and then go surf the internet and you will see the ads they're showing you. Like they are trying to get your money right now, right? So go and see what they're doing. Yeah, I love that. It's not like there's football teams and everyone's in their silos hiding from each other sort of and they're doing their own training programs. You have to send spies over. You don't have to do that. You just go to their website. You know, you just go buy their thing. Go give them 10 bucks. Go give them 100 bucks. And they will show you everything. Go, yep, yeah. Yeah. You don't have to readmit the will at all. You can just see what's working for them now. Yes. In fact, that's one of the fastest ways to get up and running. Remember we talked about before is you don't necessarily want to be, I wasn't saying the pioneers get the arrows, the settlers get the land. So you want to be a settler. You don't want to be, again, using the food court analogy, you don't want to be necessarily the first person. I mean, it would be great if you were the first person, but you know, it's okay to be the second person that discovers, oh, there's a group of people here that are really hungry. If I pull, you know, set up my lunch truck here, I'm going to make bank every day. You know, like you might, it's tougher to be the first person to find that spot than it is to be the second or third person. What you need to be good at is understanding, you know, is it worth your time to go there? You know, and what are they really looking at, looking for? If you're selling, you know, candy and, and caramel popcorn, but it's a bunch of yoga health nut people, you might not make a lot of sales because that's not your crew. And that comes back to, again, getting in the minds of your prospects, actually talking to the people that are making the buying decisions. So I just love the scientific advertising because there's nothing left to guesswork. There's actually a book, Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. In it, one of those powerful sentences for me is, let the thousands tell you what the millions will do. Can you yeah. speak to scaling at all? Can you speak to that a little bit? What's your experience with that? Like, how do you test small? Yeah. How do you roll out? Yeah, so just just like that. So when we roll out small, we'll actually segment our list, just small group. We'll start off with, you know, whether five, 10,000 people. And we'll test the campaign to them and see how it performs with them. They'll give us a lot of the feedback we'll actually need before we need to scale to that next level. So it goes back to having those conversations with them, triggering out what they liked about the product, what could make it better, and then really serving them those things. So when we introduce the next iteration to the world or to that the next group of, let's say, 100,000 people, the product is that much better and it, it has some firm ground to stand on. Mm, 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 mm. I love that. Now, I have a question about advertising. Do you think you need to test more products or test more more ads and marketing and hook? Like, you know, are, are you are you trying to test 40 products to figure out which one's hot? Or do you have like one, two products and you're testing 40 different reasons why people might buy it? Uh, I think my personal opinion is I definitely think that the offer and the product has to be killer. And I, I'm more so, you know, reiterate or I rather reiterate on what that product is not necessarily trying to find a different one to put in front of them right because if I'm trying to solve a problem I'm trying to just solve one specific problem so I just want to figure out the best way to solve that and if I know people will pay for that then I'll tend to stick with that um, once I, I I feel good and comfortable about you know the the problem that we're solving people are getting some genuine results and they're really um, getting to where they need to be with our product that's when I'll focus on more so on the advertising side. Mm, 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 mm. Got it. Okay. So now let me ask about your peers. When you're sitting around and you know, you're talking with people like me or some of the clients that you're working with or some of the people that are coming for advice to automation clinic, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see your clients and other entrepreneurs making? Where are people getting hung up? I think the number one I see with clients, mainly with clients and some other guys, peers that are getting started in the game, is they try to reinvent the wheel before testing the control. 
right? So there, there's proven frameworks that we know that have worked for other people. Instead of just taking that and implementing that and, you know, figuring out the results of that and trying to optimize from there, they try to optimize it from the beginning. So when it doesn't work, they have no idea what went wrong. Mm. How do you know what works? I, th- I already know that some people think can get, but how do they know what works? To know where to sell. Well, uh, for me, it's, you know, uh, paying attention to, to different, you know, thought leaders in the world. And if they have a proven roadmap, roadmap or, or a model for whatever problem that I'm looking to solve, I actually talk to their audience, talk to their customers, ask them well, how does it work for them. And if I really get advice or really get feedback from them, then, you know, I'll give it a test. That's something that I may want to test. Right. So then now, now if I made the decision that I actually want to test this out, that's when I'll take the time and I'll make sure that I'll test their method out yeah. completely without, you know, keep, keeping my, feel, my feelings, my previous experiences. I try to keep that out from the very beginning, stay true to this. And when I go into the analyzing phase, right, when I go into really trying to figure out what's working and I'm making my observations, that's when I'll start to bring my knowledge in and figure out, okay, how can I tweak this to make it better? Is it worth tweaking and making better? I love it. So if we go back to the scientific process, talked about how it begins with formulation of a question. And maybe that question is, what is the, you know, what is the best model? What is the best sales process that exists in my industry right now? And then you come up with a hypothesis and kind of did the research. Yeah. Who's doing yeah, it? Who's where I'm trying to be? Yeah. That's the question that I ask myself. Who is where I'm trying to get to? Mm. That's that starting question for me. Love it. And so now you can take a look. And again, we already talked about how it's all just visible. There's no, there's no magic route. You know, like there might be people that have, you know, a lot of spacious hair in their teachings and, you know, whatever. Their content might be light, really flaky. But when it comes to sales, it can be kind of easy. You can go to different places people are listed. You can go to Amazon, find products, lots of reviews. Or or if it's a course, you can go to Udemy, find things with lots of reviews. You can take a look at exactly what. Like, what do these people want and come up with your theory? So you have your question. Who is where I'm trying to be? Okay, what are they doing? And then come with, I think my hypothesis is they are where I'm trying to be because they have an ad like this going to a place like that where they make this kind of an, you can come up with that theory and then you make a prediction, right? If we do this, 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 like they are, X, Y, Z might happen. And then you create it, you set up your test and then you run it. And one of the things that I've found in my personal experience is it can take up to eight tries to finally hit something that makes Peter. It can take more. But for a lot of clients, it's somewhere around, you know, two to eight tries before you get something that hits it. Because right off the bat, you know, sometimes sometimes you get some results in the beginning, but it's not going to be the home run, right? You got to be able to refine it. And I think that's an important thing, too. I think when we talk about marketing, we have a distinction. We're talking about almost like the foundational offer of a business, not necessarily like a Valentine's Day promotion or a Black Friday promotion, because that's a one and done thing. You do a Black Friday promotion, you get some sales, great. But now what are you going to do next week? We're talking about something that you offer all day, every day, 20, you know, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year that turns into money. Yeah. Right? Because now yeah. you have the option to launch it, get some data on it, make some improvements, and then go again. Exactly, man. That's the formula right there. So what do you feel are some of the most productive and effective traffic strategies right now? You talked a lot about video. Is it video that cats meow? I like what, if you were starting all over again, where would you get, would you start a blog? Would you do a podcast, a YouTube channel? Like, where do you think, you know, going forward, where should people's focus be? You're going to get a TikTok profile going. Yeah. 
I think if I were to start all over again, my thing would be figuring out a problem that I could solve or a problem that I would want to solve, right? And just focusing on that and then just figuring out how to be the best at solving that problem. From there, I would definitely just, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily go with blogging or, or, you know, organic because it's just too slow to, to get the results I need. So I would definitely set aside a small budget to get some traffic to it and get some eyes in front of it and get people going through it as quickly as possible. Right. So you're talking about buying traffic, right? Yeah, buying traffic. So Facebook advertising, Google ads, Facebook is, you know, the, the goal to for yes. us for sure. Now I'm going to, for those listening, there's only three ways to get traffic. And so that's you either buy it, you borrow it, or you build it. And it doesn't matter if it's an online world or an offline world. Traffic is basically the same thing. You buy it by putting a paying Facebook in this example for an ad. If it was offline, maybe you're paying a mall for, to be in their facility because they have all the foot traffic. It's still traffic. It's attention. It's people's presence on your business or around your business. So you can buy it with paid advertising. You can buy it by paying higher rent to be in a better location. You can borrow it, which is right now Adrian's borrowing, like we're borrowing each other's attend audiences. So Adrian's here and he's borrowing the attention of the people that want to hear me talk on these calls. And I'm borrowing the attention of people that might want to hear what Adrian has to say. So we're borrowing each other's kid. We're collaborating. And then the third way is to build it. And that's, again, if you build a following on Instagram or you have a blog or you have a bunch of subscribers on YouTube or a newsletter that you're doing or it's a radio show. It doesn't matter. A podcast. It doesn't matter. But you're building that following. So you're saying that the biggest thing to focus on first would be the problem that you solve, then coming up with a good solution for it, something that, you know, can hold its own weight with the other options available today. And then you would have try to pay to advertise to get it there. Now, why would you do it that way? You said the time was the only factor. How much of a budget do you need to pay to spend to get some testing on this stuff done? Depending on, on the, the price of the offer, right? Like if you're in that, you know, 2K price range, I would spend up to 2K to to try to get a customer in there. So if your product is $2,000, you would spend about 2,000 on paid ads to try and get your first sale. Yeah. If I could break even on that, on on the first two, the goal isn't really to make money for me on those first couple of sales. It's really just to get testing group. Got it. Say that again. Can you speak to that? What do you mean? What do you mean you don't want to make money? I thought you were launching a business. Yeah, man. The, the, but the first group of people for me is more so like, hey, let's figure out what's how this works for you in the real world. So it's really just more of a research portion for me to make sure everything's optimized, the product is optimized and everything. And then from there, we can always, there's, I mean, you can make money on them later on and you can make money from the future audiences that you have. Mm. So you're saying, and how many people would you consider like the test group? So you're selling something that's 2K or it's a couple hundred bucks. And you say that you would want the first people you wouldn't be trying to break, break even on. You'd just be trying to get people like, what is that? What is that? Five people? Is that 40 people? I think 10, 10 to 20 people would be a, a small enough testing group for me to get some solid advice from. Got it. And so after you put 10 to 20 people through it, if the majority of them are happy now, you just open up the floodgate and start looking for more people with the problem that you were trying to solve in the first place. Yep. If I help those 10 to 20 people get results and they, they got the results that they were looking for, that's the green light to, to get more traffic. So now what's the strategy here? Now, do you have any 
hard rules about how you do this. Like some people, they feel that they need to build the following first. Like, okay, Adrian, I'm with you on all this. I got a problem I'm going to solve. I think I know how to solve it. But now I'm going to create 300 YouTube videos and get this audience following and this content. You're like, can you speak to that? I mean, you already talked about paid ads too, but at what point, at what point is good enough or is never good enough? Do you get what I'm asking? I think I get what you're saying. So as far as, are you talking about product-wise? Like, what well, do I know to stop working on them? Yeah, like, first thing you're going to do is you're going to get the problem. You're going to have a, a product that solves it. You're going to get 10 to 20 people in there. You're going to solve it for them. And now, you're going to go back, and do you just open up the floodgates and it all hands on deck on putting more people into the program? Or is it back and forth? Like, are you constantly trying to improve the product? Is there a ratio? Like one of the things that, for example, is I know if you've got, like, I remember when I had my martial arts school back in the day, the rule of thumb was in a group coaching program, you want to spend around three hours a day fulfilling on the group coaching. And then you want to spend four plus hours a day on filling that group coaching program. And I'm trying to figure out that kind of a ratio, like, you know, where should people's focus be? Because I know a lot of people are constantly trying to build a better meta strap. And that's why I'm trying to, like, you put 10, 20 people there, but how do you know when it's okay to just like scale like, do you improve the product as you're scaling? Like, when do you just go all in? Yeah. Like, you know, time to go get a thousand customers. Definitely. I think you know, once you prove that, you know, those first 10 to 20, I think you, you're, it's okay to, to get more cu customers as long as the product doesn't break in the process. If, you know, you're still getting results, you can st always still optimize your product. You know, I, I tend to look at the weakest link, right? That, that's where my attention goes for as far as that goes. Have you noticed that there's like a life cycle to the product? Like, like, is there a sense of urgency to scale it in a certain period of time before too much time passes? Or, you know, once you got first 20 people, then you need to get another 100 people if you can the first 30 days. Like, that, I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to get to at that part. Like, how fast do you need to go? Maybe it's too generic and we need to be specific. Like, is it an online course? Is it a physical service? Yeah, so the, most of the products I have are online courses, aren't physical products. So as far as there's, I, in my experience so far, I haven't had to deal with ramping up sales just for a specific time or you know having it die. I, I haven't experienced anything like that. Got got okay. So you haven't had any major industry shifts. You're just still just growth and scale. And really, as long as you're talking to the customers, as the market changes, you stay abreast of what they need as well. So I think the key coming back to that again is just to keep that that communication and keep your your pulse on the, the minds of your prospects and what they're thinking. Yep. Now, now, where do you think things are going? Like, how do you see things evolving over the next 12 months to three to five years right now in terms of like the landscape change? Basically, the world's been forced to operate online now. <sighs> Yeah, I think this is a great time if you're not online to to get online for sure. I think there's going to be a lot of businesses getting online. And I think almost in a way of even the brick and mortars, they're going to realize a balance their their marketing portfolio. They're going to have to have an online arm to keep things going because what's going on in the world right now, I don't think they could afford not to. Mm. This, the, the world shutdown couldn't happen in my opinion. Right. I remember what I was trying to ask before. I was thinking what I was trying to get to was lead to sale ratio. Like, 
Because a lot of people, that, sorry, that was kind of the heart of my question. A lot of people will be like, they're afraid to ask for the money. So if you had a new product, a new problem that you're solving, like, are you okay with paying for advertising and waiting 90 days to make your money back? You know, or, or how long? Like, because a lot of people say, well, I'm building a list. Like I'm building a follower, I'm building a list. Do you think that there's an excuse? It's just an excuse at some point. Like, is there a window that you think is optimal? Like, look, you got to try and get the sale on the first day or the first week or first 45 days or first six months. That's, I think, Sai, that's kind of the question I was trying to ask before. Mm, Gotcha. Yeah. So as far as that, that window goes for me, my goal is always to make it as short as possible. It may be, you know, we get, we try to break even on the front end. So if we can do that to to actually be profitable, we, we, Tend to give it about 45 days, 45 to 90 days to, to make some real money on the back end. So hold on. So hold on. let's clarify this. So you say profitable in 45 to 90 days. So that means that's possibly two or three sales you're talking about. So you're trying to get the first sale when in the first day, the first week. Like that's the, I think that's why for people that are here, well, I just want to give people either a goal to compete against or just a benchmark for what to aim for. If they're going to get up and running, if they're following us and what we've explained here, they've got a problem, they have a solution for it. They're going to do paid ads because they can get traffic today and they can figure out what works, what doesn't, as opposed to having to do SEO, which can take 18 plus months. Or even if we talked about borrowing, you have to nurture those relationships. You got to get that person to commit, you know, your friend has got to Instagram followers. That's great. So you're going to do all this time and effort to get them to help promote you. They do the promotion and then what, right? So the paid ads though, would be steady, consistent day in, day out. That's why you would go for that. Mm. But again, can yeah. you help give some guidelines for people? Like, Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's, it varies on what you're doing, but so let's just put it in this scenario. So, so say we have an online program that we're selling for $5,000. Right. And we get the lead, they come in, we get them on the phone call, and we get the sale. My goal is actually not to be profitable when I first get the sale. I just like to pay for what we call the appointment. So for us, an appointment could cost about a hundred bucks, right? For to actually get some a qualified lead on the actual sales call with the rep, it's about a hundred bucks for us. So my goal is to to make that money back right away from them. That makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so how, how we do that, an easy way for us to do that is, you know, a lot of people, they, they don't have the full five grand to put up so that they'll get on the payment plan. So I'll make sure at the at minimum that they, they put that first hundred dollars down. Got it. Got it. Got it. And this is so powerful for people because it talks about your buying customers. When you have this and like Adrian talked about, he knows that the appointment is about a hundred bucks for him in terms of marketing costs. So their goal is to try and figure out a good, friendly, easy offer that they can make right away. That way that, you know, they call it a self-liquidating marketing budget. If you could get the first sale from customers and not make any money, but you could just have this on all day, every day. And basically, as long as your cash flow permitted it, you can keep spending this money. So now maybe you're only getting one customer a day because that's all your cash flow can afford. But then as you get the second and third sale from these people, now you can spend more per day to get the first sale. So now instead of getting one sale a day, you're getting two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten sales a day, and you're scaling it up that way. So I think that's a key. And here's a great call. There's a ton of great things here. I'm trying to make sure some of these nuggets are, are clearly articulated to people. So get online. Sounds like you like video sales letters and phone calls, phone sales. So you're using video to sell and the phone. You're trying to make your money back right away you know, just for the marketing, but then you're trying to make a profit off of the relationship within 45 to 90 days. 
So this is the tracking. Again, people, if you're setting up dashboards and that, and you would do paid ads for speed and, and, and clarity and scalability and almost purity of the traffic. And to do that profitably, you're going to get on the phone with 10 to 25 people, either asking them to pay money. So it sounds like if you need to get on the phone with 100 people to get 10, 25 to give you money, you would get on the phone with 100 people. And those, those, those sales conversations you would document, you would record, you would map out the pains and frustrations those people had, and that would feed your marketing, which now, right, which this is a virtuous cycle. You kind of keep exactly. doing yeah. the loop. And then you've got the HIPAA formula to make sure that you're mapping, essentially you're mapping out the pains and frustrations following the HIPAA formula. Like what is the hook that got their attention? What is the problem in their words? You know, when they go deep, how do they twist the knife? Because we talked about hook, issue, poke, pill, effects, response. So how do you poke at it? What do they say, twist the knife? Like, what does somebody confess to you on that call that you could say anonymously, you know, that really twists the knife for other people that might be in the same situation? And then the pill is describing the solution. Maybe not describing your product yet. You're just describing the solution and what it looks like. And then you would describe the effects of such a solution with those features. And then the response would be, if you want something like this, maybe, and you know, they often say, ask people to try, not buy, you know, then you would ask for them to try your version of that. And that's really it. And just do the arithmetic. And if they, nope, that's perfect right there, man. It's perfect. Now, of course, the devil's in the details. And I know a lot of people are going to get tripped up. And that's where it helps to have someone with experience in that. Now, Adrian, if people are interested in this, if they really love what we're vibing, if they want to get your eyes on their project or they need your help going through this process, do you have anything that can help them? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, we have a ton of stuff on automationclinic.com. That's the best to reach reach us. Got it. So automationclinic.com. Adrian, this again, this has been such a value pack haul. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you about? No, man. I just want to say thank you for having me on this call. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Coming. Yeah. Thank you. Again, these are why I love our conversations. It's all the nuts and bolts. And none of this is fluff. There's no hidden magic room. Everyone here listening to this, you've, you've heard it from the man himself. So now it's time to get out there and make some things happen. Adrian, again, thank you so much. I know you've got your own clients to work on. You've got your own family you could be spending time with. Thank you for coming and sharing with me. Because this call is definitely going to help improve a lot of people's lives. And those of you listening, if you need more help, go check out automationclinic.com.